0: This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast.
1: So obviously, lots to talk about right now in Rhode Island and beyond with uh, Tom Giordano, the partnership for Rhode Island. Great to have you back on the pod. Thanks Thank for making the time,
0: Bill. Thanks for having me. The podcast continues to grow and do great things, and I'm happy to play a, play a, have a second role here with you. So thanks very much.
1: Well, I, I definitely appreciate that, and. You know, right now there's, there's so many issues in Rhode Island. We've been kind of focused on an election here. We've been focused on international affairs in terms of headline grabbing. But meanwhile, one of the main issues that has really been uh, top of mind for the last year or so and continues to be a real factor in our outcomes in terms of education is absenteeism. The partnership is working with the state to prioritize attendance, We've seen a rollout from the McKee administration. We apparently there's a robo call that North Providence Mayor Charlie Lombardi is sending out to parents. And just this what seems to be a basic concept of show up at school. I mean, it's 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 pretty straightforward. At the same time, there have been significant issues with either chronic absenteeism or in some cases even beyond that um, in some districts startling numbers. So. Uh, the, the partnership is has an initiative that builds on other initiatives in the K-12 space that you focused on before, so let's start right there, the, the absenteeism.
0: Well, listen, I think that Governor McKee and Commissioner Infante Green are doing the right thing by focusing on this, right? This is not a Rhode Island specific problem, right? This is a problem nationally, but we have a unique set of ingredients that will help us solve it, right? We're dense, we're small right and you can kind of run into each other a lot faster right in a small footprint so i think it's a great thing for for the commissioner and the governor to lean into and we're happy to support it this is uh it's obviously priority right you got to get the kids in school uh the problem is for three years we told everyone that it was okay to stay home right uh and you know i have two young kids right now who, who feel very strongly that if they're home, they could just catch up quickly on the computer and be all set for the next day. It doesn't really work like that, right? What we went through was an extraordinary time. Uh, obviously, we're coming out of it. COVID will stick around for and it's, and it's for God knows how long, right? But as we come out of it, we need to change our behaviors a little bit. And changing the behaviors means getting our students back into school and reprioritizing attendance because that's the only way you can really learn. Partnerships happy to help, right? This is a no brainer. Let's do anything we can do to support the kids, support the teachers and get our scores even better so that we can employ uh, employ more Rhode Islanders.
1: Well, there's no question that workforce, especially in certain sectors have changed a lot too. So you've got a lot of parents maybe working from home or at least part-time working from home and you know I wonder if that as that starts to change if it creates an environment that's a little different as well where a kid might be like well you know my parents had to go to work so I better have to go to school I don't know if that has anything really to do with this or if it's just like you said it's sort of lingering from COVID but the incentivizing of getting kids to go to school there are some Carrots that are dangled a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's really just about you know making um, making school a place that kids want to go want to be in person.
0: You're, you're exactly right. So you got a few issues here and you got to separate our, our K-3 issues with our 9 through 12 issues, right? 9 through 12 issues, right? These students and oftentimes, right, maybe you were, I certainly was, get yourself out of bed, get yourself in the shower, get yourself breakfast, get yourself on the bus, right? Um, and uh, in the K-3 space, it's a lot of time parents are, are working from home. If you talk from employers, employers are struggling with this, right? They feel that creativity happens in the office when ideas and people bounce. Off each other in the conference room, in the hallway, in the water cooler, right? Those are things that are important to employers. Uh, so they'll continue to push to get as many employees in the building as possible. Uh, and as that happens more and more, I think I think you will see a small effect on the on the children. But it's important. Listen, you talk about carrots and sticks. When parents understand that attendance matters, right? Let's use the governor's term here because it's simple and it's clear and it's something that we want to help dive into. When parents begin to understand that attendance matters more and more for achievement, uh, I think it's a very, very quick transition into sending those kids a couple extra days a week to school. Now, you've touched on it very briefly. There are a certain very, very small percentage of students who just are largely absent, basically unenrolled, right? That's a separate problem. right. What we're talking about is the difference between missing 10 days a year and 15 days a year. It's a week of school. Right. You learn a lot in a week, just like the commissioner said in that press conference last week at North Providence. Right. You learn science. You learn math. And the kids were fantastic. So we just got to reprioritize this a little bit. uh, And it goes hand in hand with what employers want, which is getting uh, getting employees back to work doesn't have to be five days a week but we do see more creativity uh there and i could talk more about that but uh, i'll keep going on the attendance issues because i think this is an important one
1: yeah and i think that's actually a really it's an important sort of tributary here is we talk about attendance for 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 students again work from home is it's valid and there's certainly an aspect to it but there's no question that there's a piece of the creativity aspect of things that is completely gone when you're not working from home. You can only stare at Zoom for so long and expect to have any kind of meaningful collaboration. So I guess briefly touch on that, your experience dealing with some of the biggest firms here in the state, the energy seems to be moving towards let's get our employees back in the building at least for a chunk of the week.
0: Yeah, it does. And I'll and I'll cite one specific example out of one of our larger companies within the partnership who is noticing that... The people who are in person are more likely to be promoted. And the people who are at home, the employees that are at home, are more than likely to be their female employees. What you're setting yourself up for is a disaster there, right? Where you are removing a level of diverse gender diversity from your senior management levels, right? Because you're allowing people to stay home. What you have is oftentimes, right, caregivers. Are staying home more often and therefore they're being kind of put to the sideline as far as what the promotion schedule is now that's not purposeful right but when you're in person you build relationships when you're in person right bill you know this right the meeting stops the zoom goes off everyone hangs around the tower and all of a sudden you're there for 15 more minutes with 15 other more to do items right oh right we got to catch up those people who are hybrid we got to catch up those people who are at home so employers are having a hard time with this right because they want people back in person uh ceos do you could say that's an antiquated point of view. Um, in some some cases, it might be, uh, but in other cases, it's a need for creativity. It's a need to build culture, and it's a need to make sure that they are promoting the be- biggest, best, and strongest for a diverse senior uh, leadership population. Uh, so it's the the it, this is continues to be a priority issue.
1: Yeah, it's it's, an, it's it's an important tributary, I think, in terms of the conversation on absenteeism that. It's not directly related. It's kind of a little bit of a stretch to tie the two together, but it's something meaningful, and I think it's just an interesting and important discussion to have in general. Absolutely. Completely agree. Another major initiative right now, we saw the tech hubs, the Biden administration uh, dollars flowing in. This is an ocean tech hub designation that really can be a major game changer for Rhode Island and a signal to the world that Rhode Island is open for business in – uh, in a meaningful way, everybody's moving in the same direction. The blue economy is nothing brand new. We've certainly that goes back to I mean, you can make an argument it goes back all the way to the indigenous population. Right. here. Um, but at the same time, the the momentum around it has been something that Commerce and the Raimondo administration pushed. And now the McKee administration is definitely driving in, uh, in, in, in to to build even more than maybe we already are uh, positioned to 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 be a leader in. Um, there's so many aspects to blue economy. It's not just offshore wind. It's smart bay. It's fisheries. It's shipping. It's you know pr- potentially hydro. It's ocean exploration. There's a lot to it. But this tech hub designation is definitely a major stamp that says Rhode Island is fully in on the blue economy.
0: Talk about that a little. bit. Yeah. So I'll, I'll back it up a little bit more. I think there are three reasons why this is important. Uh, a priority and an important story. Number one, Rhode Island Commerce University of Rhode Island University of Rhode Island uh, Research Foundation applies for the and with support from the partnership applies for a Build Back Better Regional Challenge. Right, almost two years ago, one of these first big U.S. Commerce right uh, funding opportunities that would have allowed for um, tens of millions of dollars to flow into winners. Right, we don't get it. Well. That seems disappointing. Yeah, but you're, 95% of applicants lose on all of these, right? So let's just be clear about the, the competitive field that we're working within. But instead of, you know, putting our tail between our legs and going to focus on something else, the governor's office, Rhode Island Commerce, University of Rhode Island, University of Rhode Island Research Foundation, with support of us, you know, not being the experts here, but happy to be part of the solution. Decided to double down. What can we do better to grow the blue economy in Rhode Island, Right. We built the Grow Blue Initiative. Grow Blue Initiative was basically let's put an umbrella around this blue this thing we call blue economy that's hard to explain to everyone because it's every time is it every time you step on a beach is it every time you eat an oyster is it every time you turn your lights on right like where does where this where does this work and it's kind of yes right uh, the answer is yes to all of that but we started the Grow Blue Initiative. The Grow Blue Initiative really wrapped its arms a tent around what it meant to be a blue economy state going from there and like i said doubling down on our assets and not giving up when you get bad news you know Commerce, rhode island and with great partners across the border in massachusetts umass dartmouth fall river new bedford right real leaders in the blue economy got together and said let's pitch an ocean tech hub right not a Rhode Island tech hub, an ocean tech hub, where we can talk about the assets that we have, talk about the future employment. It's important to national security. It's important to regional economy. uh, And let's put our best shot together to go after this tech hub destination. So that's number one, right? We kind of came back from failure without saying, you know, oh, what was us? We should have done better. No, let's do better now. Right. Let's be prepared, because that's the fun part about these this cycle of funding. Right. The kind that of, the test comes every year. So if you want to be ready for it, you know what's on the test. So we went for it again. The second important part is the designation. Right. Being designated a tech hub opens the door. Right. This region is now one of the 30 most innovative places in the United States. Thirty two. Right. That, that the Biden administration has pointed out. That is, holds a lot of weight, Bill, right? For private investors, for public investment, for all of the things that Stephen Pryor, Gina Raimondo wanted to do through their state commerce corporation, now Liz Tanner and McKee wanted to do through their state commerce organization with the double-down investments that Shikarchi and Ruggiero are putting into this, right? All of this shows signs. The third most important part of tech hubs is the potential funding we'll get, right? Something you think about always on the front end, right? Could it bring 70 million into the region? A hundred percent. But all of these three things are signs of incredible collaboration, uh, and what happens when we can work together? And we've been thrilled to be a part of it. It's going
1: to be interesting to see what the what the state of Rhode Island is positioned like in 50 years, looking back in terms of this moment. Because I think it's not necessarily going to be like the Industrial Revolution that history books will be written. But it does have a chance to completely change the narrative and the direction of the state from an economic standpoint. And that trickles down to housing, that trickles down to education, that trickles down to quality of life, and it trickles down to the arts and innovation. It's just a you need that engine for growth. And I think it's correct to have identified the blue economy and blue tech in particular as a major starting point for that in terms of uh, moving forward here, no doubt. So another initiative, re-compete and Compete RI, there are two efforts that have caught the attention of national organizations, Compete RI, uh, as an example, is a White House endorsed best practice that folks from Chicago, DC, Houston, and elsewhere have inquired about replicating. So, w- what is it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, nearly two years ago, my board got together and said, let's help the state of Rhode Island, our state agencies, cities and towns, nonprofits, higher ed institutions. Uh, better compete for this federal funding, right? This is as soon as Biden starts talking about it, right? He finally gets that infrastructure bill passed, something we've been talking about for a number of presidents. He finally decided, you know, we understand that Governor Raimondo will no longer be our governor. She'll be down in DC and be an asset. We have two fantastic senators, right? Now I can say officially have two fantastic members of Congress, right? Um, the The goal for us was to say, state governments are not, by design, prepare to compete for federal funding opportunities, right? There is no one in any state agency that is designed to do that outside of DOTs. DOTs do that with Federal Highway Administration. They have that that baked in. What can we do to help? And the answer was just more, right? So we decided to put about a million dollars together to help the state apply for federal funding. Grant writers, communication professionals, let's build websites, engineering firms to do studies. And, over the last, you know, we really kicked that off last May. So, over the last 18 months, we've helped the state apply for $1.2 billion with the federal funding, right? We've had our hands on almost $300 million of winning grants that have come in. So, think of that return on investment when I go back to CEOs, right? A million to $300, let us keep going, going forward, right? And, they, and again, you talk about measurements of success with compete RI engagement of communities that were, no, that were previously unengaged, right? We're working very closely with the tribe and helping them. You know, secure some of this competitive funding. We hosted two weeks ago the uh, Regional Thriving Communities uh, Conference, which was built the most diverse and energetic room I've ever been in for a conference in the state of Rhode Island, right? Regional leaders, community based organizations from Maine to Connecticut gathered in Providence and said, how can our communities be better ready to apply for and uh, uh, execute federal funding opportunities right these are things alongside of the roi that we that we talked about that are just made it a no-brainer so has been a nicely branded initiative of the partnership right same bank account same friend, same same ownership um, but listen we thought it was a good idea i think it's ended up being a pretty a pretty great idea and we're gonna happy to you know uh keep it going because we want to help the state apply for all of this money uh while we can
1: One other thing that I'd love to touch on here is housing. And look, you know, we're doing a whole series on housing that is going to drop next week. I've spoken with, you know, you name it, state leaders, private sector leaders, nonprofit leaders, and uh, and now looking to kind of pick your brain on this. Just from some of the reports that have come out recently and just in general right now, employers, I'll, I'll say this. Speaker Shikarchi on this upcoming podcast, he notes that it's an economic development issue as much as anything. Obviously, number one, it's a humanitarian issue at at basic court, the community issue and all that. But it's also an economic development issue. Employers, firms, they're looking for uh, a robust housing market for employees. And right now, with our last in the country development uh, status, we're not necessarily in a good position to sort of meet that moment. What's your takeaway, the big takeaway right now, just in housing and how it impacts industry and attracting new industries?
0: So I would say this, the partnership, this is this was a new area of, of, uh, of engagement for the partnership, right? This is not something that we are specifically experts on, right? But we want to help and we want to be part of the solution. Number one, helping to support the BCG report on housing, I think really laid the foundation, right? In the same way that we did with Johns Hopkins for the Providence, uh, public school system, like where it was pre-takeover, I think these kind of things are, you know, they're expensive, but these are opportunities for the partnership to say, let's lay the groundwork, let's level set on where we are, let's find some best practices, let's give state government, nonprofit sector, and and private sector some to-dos, and that will help move this forward. I hope that BCG report's done that. I think it has. Um, From a workforce point of view, it continues to be an obvious issue. But I have to say, Bill, what I hear from my board more is the community issue, right? How How can we better solve our homeless situation here, right? How can we provide low and moderate income housing here? On the higher income side, we'll figure that out. Right. That 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 is that's the last one that needs to go. But this is a community issue. This is a health of the state of Rhode Island issue. Um, and I think that we're we're happy to engage. And listen, let's breathe. Let's let's braid these two conversations. If there are federal funding opportunities that community members or organizations or service providers want to go after in the housing space. We're all ears. Right. I have grant writers. I have a half a dozen grant writers ready to go right? Let's go get this money and bring it to Rhode Island. Uh, you know, when you write for these grants, you have to tell a story. And sometimes the story is innovation and, and and what our prospects could be. And, oh, look, if we were just given a little bit of a push, look what could happen in Ocean Tech hubs. Sometimes it's we've been last and we need help and we want to do more. And the state government has doubled down on it. Stephen Pryor has has stayed the course right and join the a government sector when he could be doing anything right he came back to Rhode Island government and said no I want to focus on the hardest problem we have that's the kind of thing you want to double down on so if anyone wants to work with us and some grants there and we have before we will going forward we're always ready to do more
1: Tom Giordano the partnership for Rhode Island always a pleasure and, and thanks for the work that you all do and uh, man you know we we definitely we're in a, an interesting moment here in Rhode Island. Things feel, the momentum feels to be trending in the right direction. And there's less of a cranker, woe is me type approach to the state. It's starting to become an innovative place. Uh, it always has been, but it's starting to be recognized for being innovative. And uh, appreciate your efforts to make a lot of that stuff pop.
0: Well, listen, I hope well, we're playing a little bit of a role in that, right? And so let's keep it going. And Bill, I look forward to, I feel like you and I run into each other every six months somewhere. So looking forward yeah, to seeing exactly. your see you
1: as too. See at some event in Warren.
0: <laughs> right, sounds cool. good, my friend.
1: We are brought to you in part by Half Street Group, who bring a new generation's perspective to leadership communications, strategic public relations, and digital marketing. Half Street helps organizations and leaders take control of their own stories and manage their reputations. They get results for their clients by focusing on audience, message, and culture, and by leveraging their decade-long relationship with media and opinion leaders in the Ocean State and throughout New England. Join me and Half Street Group founder and president Mike Rea for a conversation every month about news of the day, the hottest media analysis, and a look behind the scenes at how impactful leaders drive conversations. Learn more at HalfStreetGroup.com.